Velkommen til The Pipe, en række af podcasts, hvor vi sætter fokus på, hvad det kræver at skabe brands, der gør en forskel, og hvordan brandsene når det mål. Mit navn er Joachim Vorting. Vi tager pulsen på tilstanden i den digitale del af farma- og medtech-industrien. For hvordan forandrer den digitale verden industrien? Hvilke udfordringer har marketingsfolk i farma- og medtech-industrien? Hvordan definerer og implementerer man digitale strategier og tilpasser dem forretningen? Og hvad mangler at blive gjort? I denne podcast har vi besøg af Ritesh Patel, Chief Digital Officer i Health and Wellness hos Ogilvy New York. I Ogilvy bliver han kaldt den digitale troldmand. Welcome Ritesh Patel, thank you for joining. Well, thank you for having me. First of all, what is trending in digital healthcare at the moment? So what's really trending in digital and healthcare? I would say there's a number of things going on with respect to digital. If you define it as literally disrupting the industry, we've got two uh, phenomena going on. One is around startups and the kind of things these startups are doing to disrupt pieces of the healthcare industry. And then the other one on the pharma side is how are the pharma companies looking at the digital disruption of their business model and the technology that provides that capability. So that's what's going on at the moment. You're here to talk about digital transformation. If you're a classic marketing professional and you have little experience in digital, how do you leverage your brand through digital channels? You know, leveraging the brand through digital channels in pharma is difficult. Um, It's not easy to do, but it is actually doable. We talk to a lot of our clients about how do we focus more on the customer rather than the product because what happens today is most of the companies and the brand managers are focused on this is our product, let me tell you about it and then they look at ways of doing that. But the customer is actually looking for information about the product in a completely different manner and it's very digital. So we have to group the two together and fill that gap, I think. That's the biggest thing to worry about. Mm. Okay, but where do you start? Well, starting, you know, what we advise our clients in getting started in looking at the digital roadmap is what are you doing today? And if it's the usual suspects of a website, email, and maybe e-details, then look at what your customers are doing online. You can really get a good gauge of what physicians, particularly in this market, are looking for and where they're looking. You'll find it's probably mainly on the mobile device and they're probably going to different sites. They're not coming to your website. So once you've got the what are they doing and what are they expecting, you can start creating a digital roadmap on where what are the things you will change today and what are the things you will do in the future to meet the need of the customer. So the big advice really when we start is we say to clients, think about the customer first, not your product. That's a big mind shift change that has to occur. Mm. Moving on to strategy, how would you define a successful strategy? So strategy has a big word, as I say all the time to our clients, and it can be anything from what's our strategy for customer uh, expectations and experience, or what's our digital strategy? How are we going to engage with all of our stakeholders? Because that's doctors, patients, caregivers, and payers in a lot of the industries that we're in, in a lot of the markets we're in. So. What we do is we start off with the who are we trying to talk to, what is our business strategy, the, our, our business uh, imperative, and if it's to grow the market or grow sales, 
what will that take? And then what are the digital tools and technologies we'll need to enable that to happen? So you should always start with the North Star. I'm trying to be, you know, I want to educate our customers or I want to create a better experience or I want to have more sales. And then you define the strategy around that. And then you look at all the digital tools, channels, technologies and content that you will need to achieve that goal. So what's the North Star? Where are you going? That's the best thing first, I would say. What would you recommend that you do not do then? There's a lot of things that people ask me all the time. And one of them is, you know, okay, so I know all the things I can do, but what should I not do? And I start with, you should always not think of the product as the thing you want to push to people and the message you want to say. And you should focus more on what is the customer looking for and how do they want to get this information. So we make a lot of mistakes around pushing the envelope in pushing messages to people when we should enable them to pull messages that they want. So that's the first step. Don't do what you've always been doing and start looking at, you know, what is my customer looking for and how do I give it to them in the most frictionless manner? Very often headquarters produce content that does not necessarily fit the local strategy. What's your reflections on that? So there's a big thing in pharma about global versus local or global versus regional versus local. And how do you fit in? So if you're sitting in a local market like Denmark or Sweden or Finland or Norway, uh, you know, you get a lot of things sent to you from the global head office that says this is how you will market or this is how you will sell. And the biggest advice we give to people when they start doing this is each market is different. Their expectations are different. The way the customers behave are different. So you may want to just streamline that to say, here is the base that you can do and then give the markets locally the capability of adding to or taking away from that base to enable them to be more efficient in their local markets. So, for example, you know, multi-language is a big issue. Global usually sends things out in probably English, Spanish, Portuguese, German, and French, and maybe Italian. So how do I now do that in the Nordic countries? Or how do I do that in the emerging markets? So allowing that flexibility to the local markets is very critical. If you're sitting in a local market, the advice really is go make sure you highlight those nuances, things like research out there on how the customer is consuming content on the mobile device in places like Korea and Japan, where if you do anything on a website, you'll never get anywhere. And give that back to the global guys so they can put that as an input into the global marketing programs. Mm. But how would you go about that, Ritesh? The big thing to remember is content. Content is king. We create a ton of content in the pharma industry, but a lot of it is completely useless in local markets. Global will create something and say that, you know, here's the website you have to use and here are all the templates. But in some markets, the only thing the physician is looking for is scientific information about the product. And in other markets, they're looking for prescribing information. You know, can I provide this product or can I prescribe this drug to somebody over 50? Or what's the indication? So, you know, the nuance has to be there between the globally oriented market uh, content And then how do you then take that content and localize it for language and also localize it for local consumption? And what formats do you need that in? So part of the digital transformation roadmap you should have is a content strategy. What is my content strategy? What languages do I need? What formats do I need? What channels will they go on? And what platforms will they go on? Let's move on to patient communication. So we know that lots of brands are very good at communicating with healthcare professionals. However, it's fair to say that patient communication is lagging behind somewhat. 
and that's often due to local regulatory limitations and perhaps a desire to be risk adverse. What's your experience with this? So if I'm a marketer in pharma, it's really difficult outside of a couple of countries. I think the United States, Australia and New Zealand, I believe, that you can communicate with the patients directly about your products. But what you can do is provide third parties content and information about your products that the patients are consuming. So, you know, the, this is the biggest challenge that we face with digital, uh, with pharma at the moment, is the patient is becoming increasingly in charge of their own healthcare, and they're looking up information by themselves. So where do we fit in? And the best place to fit in when you can't legally communicate directly to the patient about a potential product with a brand is to start looking at ways that you can communicate about the product through advocacy sites, for example, or through other channels that the patients are going to to look up information. We have patient communities that are being built on Facebook, for example, and social channels. So rather than talking about the brand, which you legally can't do, you can certainly talk about the disease and how this disease can be managed and then drive them to a branded area where they can learn more information about the product itself. And, you know, increasingly it is very digital, so you can actually do a very good job of compartmentalizing the content so that, you know, patients don't get the branded content, which is not allowed by many governments, but they do get information about living with the disease, and then there's a potential product that could help them live with the disease and then drive them to the doctor to get more information about it. So it's a complex challenge, uh, and there are countries... Unfortunately, there's no one standard rule or law around the world. It's actually down to the local countries as to what you can and cannot do. So you have to be mindful of that. But many ways, uh, using social channels as well as apps and increasingly these new formats called chatbots, where you can actually provide a lot of information to patients about living with a disease and then asking the doctor about the product that they're using uh, and the brand that they're, they're, they're being prescribed to see how that fits in overall with the disease itself. Can you describe an example? Yeah, so, you know, here's an example. Um, in the UK, for example, uh, one pharma company has partnered with an asthma advocacy group, which is providing a chatbot on how to live with asthma. And part of that is potential products that could be used uh, to manage your asthma that the advocacy group has put together that just happen to be some of the brands that the pharma company uh, in question has been providing in the market in the first place. So it's a really interesting way because the younger audience that they're going after are all your on Facebook Messenger. So create a Facebook Messenger chatbot that sort of works around, have you got asthma? Here's how you can live with it. Here are all the things you should do to manage your asthma, and maybe here are some products that could be useful in living with your asthma. So that's one way, as an example, of how a pharma company partnering with an advocacy group has created this really new, unique digital service called a chatbot for living with asthma. Okay, that's interesting. So tell me, how do you open up the industry to more compelling digital engagement? So the industry is very lackluster when it comes to compelling immersive experiences because of the perceived rules and regulations that are out there. 
But I would submit that, you know, financial services companies have the same issues, and yet they've been able to break through and do things such as give you online banking. And it's a great experience, right? You know, if you have a banking app, you know how, you know, the things you like to know is how much money have I got left in my account? Can I spend the money? Is my credit card due tomorrow? Right? Those kinds of things. And we can do the same thing in healthcare by being more customer-centric. The issue we've had in pharma particularly is that we've always used what I call the same old bullets to do communication, which is a website, a print ad, and an e-detail. And we haven't embraced the consumer technologies that will provide the, the experience that a doctor or a patient is looking for uh, with respect to the product itself. So looking at it, again, from the consumer angle or the customer experience angle, if you order something from Amazon, it's very easy. You can click, you can buy it, you get it delivered, you get an alert that says it's delivered. You can use the same customer journey for patients or doctors in healthcare, and we just haven't sat down and done it. So it'll take a brave pharma company to actually sit and say, we're now going to focus on the customer, the doctor, as opposed to here's our products and you, doctor, should buy it and let me tell you all about the product. It's no secret that the US is leading when it comes to digital transformation in pharma and medtech. So what can we learn from America and apply to the European market? So I think there's a fallacy that the US is leading in this area. It actually isn't. I think, you know, what digital has done is transformed it so it's made it more democratic so that anybody can do this. And so we're seeing actually more leadership coming out of places like Germany and Switzerland, where pharma companies are actually really taking digital on in a good way and moving faster. Um, you know, we've got a couple of companies that I've been tracking for a while in those markets that are doing new and innovative things around the customer experience that the US guys haven't even thought about at the moment. So I think it's a mixture of two. Digital transformation uh, is a big buzzword that's being used, but reality is most pharma companies are looking at it from a customer experience transformation using digital. And in Europe, there are two or three companies that are actually leading the charge around that. In the US, we seem to be more innovative, so using innovative digital tools to transform the work. So it's two different kinds of things. One, more around customer experience in Europe, where they're looking at how do I make sure that the doctor has the right experience because of the rules and regulations. In the US, because we can actually market uh, directly to patients, they're using more innovation, chatbots, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, to have an immersive experience with the patient and the doctor. So I'm not sure if it's a US is leading. I think it's more of a digital is now showing different ways for you to innovate and change the customer experience in both markets. So how could European brands use that American innovation you speak of in the best way? So Europe, I think, has a good thing to learn around some of the innovations that the Americans are doing. Uh, in the US market, for example, I've seen more use of things like artificial intelligence in research and development for pharma. For uh, I've seen more use of uh, AI in things like imaging uh, and clinical trial recruitment and things like that, that the European companies could learn from. Um, there's also new mobile applications that are now for clinical trials to be run virtually that are being developed in Palo Alto that you can use anywhere in the world. So there's no reason why a European uh, pharma company could not, say, work with a Science 37 based in Palo Alto, who's got some really interesting new innovative ways of doing virtual clinical trials, and it would benefit the pharma company in Europe very well. How do you build up digital capabilities in European companies? 
So, you know, I think the biggest challenge that most pharma companies face, particularly in Europe, if you're not headquartered in Europe and you're one of the affiliates, right? So you're, you know, one of the countries from one of the global pharma companies in, in the U.S., uh, how do you build up those capabilities and knowledge? It's really difficult. There's a talent gap at the moment in digital health. We're seeing it both in the U.S. and in Europe. And the best way to do it is basically education. Uh, you know, I firmly believe that rather than hiring 20 new people who are digitally oriented and trying to teach them pharma, take the pharma guys and teach them digital and really make an effort to create ambassadors. So the biggest advice we give to our clients is there is a great way to start infusing digital thoughts and digital ways of working within the company. Uh, so pick an ambassador, take a brand, make it a small brand, for example, and test and learn using that brand and then showcase that example to the rest of the organization and start bringing the organization through. There's a massive gap in finding really good digitally oriented pharma or healthcare marketers. It, they don't exist. So you're going to have to make them. And the way to do that is training, creating new inspirations giving them the ability to fail, right? Go try something. As long as you stay within the regulations, if it doesn't work, it's okay. Today, what pharma does, if it doesn't work, you're fired and you shouldn't do that. So it's a cultural shift that has to happen if you're going to really start taking digital seriously within the industry. So the next question is about capabilities in an organization. Digital is often piloted by the marketing function in a pharma and medtech company, but how do we ensure that other functions such as medical and sales are aligned with their marketing efforts? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things we're seeing is while brand and marketing is leading in the area of digital thinking, we are now seeing a shift as well, uh, the clinical side particularly, and that's simply because they're being innovated around. So if you look at the clinical business, particularly the medical side, research and development and clinical trials, there are startups that are looking at that side of the industry and looking to disrupt it. So the pharma companies have realized that if they don't do digital or innovate around there, that they're going to get completely disrupted. So they're now taking digital very seriously in those areas. I would say that in general, uh, the, the company has to make a decision uh, that this new world that we're living in, the 21st century, if they're not very careful and they're not looking at digitally enabling every piece of their function, whether it's you know completely digital or taking a piece of it, like in clinical trials, that there's somebody else out there who's going to take that away from them. And they'll relegate it to become just manufacturers of a regulated product. And everything around that product will be done by somebody else. So this is more of a matter of survival as well. So the companies in Switzerland, in Germany, in um, Italy, uh, in Asia, particularly Japan, and in the US that are sitting there saying, how do we now embrace digital throughout our entire company? And it's now at the C-suite level. So it's the president of the company or the CEO, or even in, in the case of some of the European players, the boards who are saying, we need to change and we need to in embrace digital and there are other ways, that, and there are many ways that they're doing it. Some are creating investment funds where they're now taking their money and investing in startups. There's a company, you know, in Switzerland that's invested in, I think, five or six startups in Berlin that are really changing the way that they infuse digital in their business. 
Bayer, probably from Germany, is probably the leader in this area. They've created investment funds. They had a whole thing for grant for apps where they did startup challenges. They'd put a challenge out there and then have startups compete for a prize, 10,000 euros, to build something. That's been so successful, they've rolled it out across all of uh, Europe and in the US as well. So, you know, they're really forcing the innovation into the company by working with startups and funding startups and bringing them in. And Bayer has also done a program where they've got startups in the actual campus in Germany, in Berlin, where they're working with the brand marketers or the clinical uh, decision makers in changing and thinking about changing the way they do their business. So there's a lot of efforts going on, particularly here in Europe. In the US, we're seeing less of that and we're seeing more around just one or two areas, marketing, uh, branding and clinical uh, but not the rest of the organization. I think, in, in in my personal opinion, Europe is ahead when it comes to digital transformation with people like Novartis, Boehringer Ingelheim, Bayer, who are really challenging the status quo in this area. So I'm, I applaud what they're doing, and they're doing it from the C-suite, which is really good. Can you comment a little on the use of digital and artificial intelligence on the clinical side of the pharma industry? What's going on there? There's two areas that everybody's looking at. One is the use of artificial intelligence in uh, reducing the amount of time it takes to develop a drug and also to trial it. And the second one is around data and collecting the data in new innovative ways, right? That's what's going on in the clinical side. And on the clinical side, in the Nordic countries, Leo Pharma is, re is really leading the way. They've got an innovation fund. They've tested two or three things already with using of AI in some of their R&D. Uh, so Leo is probably the leader in the Nordic countries when it comes to uh, doing digital, but it only in the clinical side. On the commercial side, you know, on the patients, it's really difficult. Um, you, you can learn a lot from consumer goods, but most of it doesn't apply because legally you can't do that with patients. So the only thing that I usually advise customers in Europe, particularly BI, Novartis, etc., is that they think of the customer not as a healthcare professional or a caregiver or a patient, but as a human who's about to take their medicine. So how do you make sure that the experience that they have is you know, as good as, say, an Amazon or a consumer goods company that's providing digital capabilities or online ordering or things like that? So those are the two things I would do. Those are the two questions. One is around new innovations in clinical Uh, using AI, things like that, and data. And the second one is around uh, Nordic country, particularly Leo and what they're doing for that side. And then on the consumer side, it's, you know, while it is difficult, you can learn, but you need to, the only advice we usually give is modern marketing means the human is the person. Don't label them as a healthcare professional. They happen to be a person and go find them where they are. Okay, Ritesh, final question. What would be your concluding advice to marketers who want to drive digital transformation in their organizations? So, you know, I, I would say in summary, um, uh, modern marketing means increasingly the inclusion of digital in everything that you're thinking about, whether it's for a doctor or a patient or a caregiver or a clinician, a KOL. 
everywhere you look and and i encourage folks to look how they live their life with their mobile phone in their hand and the kinds of things that they rely on for example email or if you're outside and you need directions to somewhere you reach for google maps maybe on your phone so you can figure out where you're going you're looking for a restaurant to go to have a bite to eat you're looking at an app or you're doing a google search that says where's the restaurant near me that serves steak right things like that how do you infuse those things into healthcare and pharma is probably the best way to summarize how you need to start thinking about digital and embracing it within the organization and as we look to 2019 and you look at budgeting because we're coming up to budgeting season which is what a couple of months away you should start thinking about allocation of money where before you may have put you know 20,000 euros into a website or 10,000 euros into updating the e detail take the combined 30,000 and put it into a new chatbot for example for healthcare professionals or fix uh, uh, some content that they can consume on their mobile phone as a little video which is 30 seconds or a minute around the product rethink your content and use it more for the digital arena and take your budgets that you have and realign them so if you're building a 30 page website make it a three page website and the only thing they care about is the scientific information the prescribing information the safety information and maybe indication everything else doesn't matter take that money and put it into other things that people are using their devices for that they'll want the information for and that's the advice i would give to people as they start thinking about 2019 ritesh patel thank you very much for joining the pipe my pleasure thank you for having me du hørte Ritesh Patel om de digitale tilstande lige nu i farma- og medtech-industrien. Hvis du vil høre flere podcasts, så gå ind på ogilvy.dk/thepipe.